0: Hey, movers and shakers, and happy Mother's Day to all you funky mamas out there. Thank you for tuning in to this super special, super bonus episode. Today, I time travel to have a conversation with myself 35 years in the future. AKA, I had a conversation with my mom. I thought there might be no better way to get my mom to come on the pod than to create a new Mother's Day tradition, a cross-interview mother-daughter podcast. So without any further ado, here is the first installation of Mother's Day Conversations Over Coffee with my mom, the seamstress, the philosopher, and the dancer, Stephanie Wilson. Enjoy.
1: Happy Mother's Day. You, honey. Coffee. Coffee. I know
0: you've got brunches to go to and little kids to chase and diaper and stuff. So, really quickly, I want to introduce you. This is my mom, Stephanie, also known, maybe even better known as Stan. And the reason that is, is because your kids are lazy. (laughs) And we all three of us prefer to abbreviate names. Right. Um, Dana, obviously, which is way too long (laughs) to bother anyone, uh, turns into Dan. Taylor, my brother, turns into Tan. Adrian, my sister, turns into Anne. And obviously, Stephanie turns into Stan. You're, you're, you're a woman of many skills and many, many talents. (laughs) If you say so. Um, and I, speaking of skills, have a and talents, have a talent for misplacing things. I had some interview questions written out for you, (laughs) and
1: now I don't know where they are. How did this happen? Hold on. Okay, I'm holding.
0: (laughs) How did I really? Mom, I read them like we had a rehearsal.
1: Right, which don't admit that. I just admitted it. (laughs) Where did all my good questions go? It had some, I don't know. Was it on my to-do list? This is something about is and making costumes. This is me being
0: unprofessionale. Also, uh, a funny a funny moment just now as i was trying to send you the zoom link i accidentally sent you the link that i had last copied which could have gone so wrong but fortunately (laughs) for you and me um and entertainment i sent you a link to uh those Plastic segmented kids jump, jumping ropes, the beaded ones of many different <laughs> yeah. colors. Do you remember the sting of those little
1: fuckers? Totally. If, uh,
0: if you ever got nipped by one of those, oof, feel it for days. We actually had jump ropes made of rope. <laughs> and you had to walk <laughs> like to school
1: uphill <laughs> both ways in the freezing cold. <laughs> right. Carrying our suitcases, our books, because we didn't even have backpacks. In mini skirts, because we weren't allowed to wear jeans to school. Let's make it worse. And sneakers, because we didn't have fashion boots. (laughs) No fashion boots? What'd you do without fashion boots? That's the worst part. They invented go go boots, like when I was in junior high, and that was like go go boots. I wore them out. And then, Adrian did a competition number to these boots are made for walking by Nancy Sinatra, and I bought little go-go boots, which are white and straight up. They're not shaped, and they go not even mid-shin. They're lower than mid-shin, but they're not ankle boots. And I made the cutest little checkerboard sequin dress with fringe on it. I think we might need some photo evidence of that. Okay, we may have to find some. Ooh, <gasps> ooh, no, I. I'll find it later. I have a pen with a picture of her. Oh, that's exactly what we need. I know the one
0: you're talking about. I remember it. Yeah. I don't know where it is. Okay. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to freestyle my interview questions. Okay. So we had a VHS tape that is somewhere It it got digitized and that DVD is also somewhere maybe being used as a coaster or living in a box somewhere, (laughs) probably in my closet somewhere, somewhere. And it's called the Dana Funny Tape, which is actually a very unfair title because Adrian, my older sister, is also in the video and she's hysterical. Um, I don't know why we call it the Dana Funny Tape, but I can be seen in that video of which you are the camera operator most of the time. Um, dancing in front of the TV to Sesame Street in my little diaper. And I used the word dancing very loosely. <laughs> Many years later, I would dance in front of a TV that had like Britney Spears and NSYNC on it. And then maybe one or two years after that, I'd be dancing in front of a TV that had Justin Timberlake on it. And then one day I was dancing on TV with Justin Timberlake, and that's pretty much how it happened. But it wouldn't have happened. If you didn't put me in dance class when I was three and keep me in there despite my best efforts, so my question to you, Stan, is okay. why dance? In other words, why not why not soccer? <laughs> like,
1: I didn't know it was soccer. I didn't. What's soccer? It was <laughs> <laughs> great. Question. Is that my question? <laughs> no, I was like, what? Not on my radar. I had. Um, I put Adrian in in dance at three because one day I was driving down the street and I saw a dance studio opening up and I went, oh, that looks like fun and um, then we she was in the first class and she was three and you were born and you were a newborn and I sat and watched the first class or the first couple of classes with you as a newborn lying on my lap on my legs. so it made logical sense then when you were three to put you in the dance class and I think that dance has always been the thing I wanted to do. We couldn't Mom couldn't do dance classes for us really. But at one point my grandmother paid for us to have ballet lessons from this little lady, um, skinny little lady, and she would march us across the floor and somewhere we have a family movie, super eight movie, probably black and white of us in a ballet class with this lady. And that was my first love of dance. And then I did some dance classes in high school. (laughs) My mind is blown. I had no idea. Yeah, I was maybe six and Nikki would have been, if I was six, Nikki was five, four, three. No, so I must have been older. Maybe I was 10 and Nikki was seven and Michelle was six. Maybe it was that. Speaking of,
0: speaking of Nikki and mothers, happy birthday, Aunt, happy birthday, happy Mother's Day, Aunt Nikki, but also happy Mother's Day,
1: Charlene. Could you just do a run through of this, of your
0: siblings real quick? Yes.
1: My mother had me when she was 18. And by the time she was 30, she had had Stephanie, Peter, Bill, Nikki, Michelle, Mark, Andrea, David, Melanie, Christopher, and George. And George Junior. George Jr. George Jr.
0: I still can't do those in the correct order. <laughs> try, try, as I, try as I might. Um, okay, so happy Mother's Day, Yaya. Happy Mother's Day, all my aunties. Happy Mother's Day, Stan. Um, and great answer to question number one. Woo, woo, woo. Okay, you. now you go. Okay, question for you. Okay, um, wait. Do you, have something, do you have something in the house that's dinging every now and then? Oh, I'm getting text messages. Don't, don't worry about it. You're a popular lady. It's
1: Mother's Day. I'm not going to stop you. Ding on. Okay, ding on. I had a job that let me travel a lot, in case you hadn't noticed. And it had upsides and downsides, because I was gone when you broke your arm. I came home and you had a broken arm. But also, I got to travel with you a lot. So, can you tell me how, if you remember much of that travel, because I made a list of where I think we went, and how your life as a child traveler, (laughs) helped you in your life as a person on tour? Mm -hmm. Look at Mm -hmm. you asking the
0: good questions. That was the
1: money. That was a really good question.
0: Okay. So that was like a six part question. It was a very Dana style question because every one question has like six sub questions. So number one was if I remember and number two, okay, I'll recall some of those. Um, And then, and then, the the meat of the question is how did that prepare me for for tour life or or my yeah, my career life. my yeah. life life um okay the first trip that i remember was to london when and i must have been 9 oh that's not true 8 i was 8 i do remember that trip vaguely then i really i remember going to london i remember the jacket that I brought with me, this big pink thing. And I remember um, Yaya, your mom was also there with us and she was very nervous about bringing me because she thought that I would misbehave. And you told me that she had a nightmare about me misbehaving. And so I was deliberately on my very, very best behavior. I tried to be so charming. And I also remember going to the London dungeon, which also made me want to cry. and remember wanting to cry a lot when I was <laughs> young. And I think I actually did cry a lot when I was young, but um, she nods in agreement. Um, we went through the London dungeon, which was uh, this kind of like, amusement like Madame Tussauds wax museum amusement park of ancient medieval torture stuff which sounds like a great place to bring your (laughs) eight-year-old um and but at the end of it after I got through all this torture and wanting to cry there was a candy store at the end and we got um uh gummy, all the gummy things. My mom is a big gummy fan. And so am I, I think you and I actually share the exact same taste buds. Um, but I got, I remember getting Coke bottles, you know, they have the big gummy Coke bottles, but I was so small. I thought it was actual sized that, you know, um, and there I, we had a big gummy shark and I will never forget the way that plastic candy bag felt in the pocket of that big pink coat. I also remember you getting annoyed that all I wanted to do was feed the pigeons. And that carried over into uh we, we went to Greece when I was twelve and my family is Greek. It was a it was a big moment. We went with grandma and grandpa. He was speaking Greek all over the place and I was working on Uh, where is the bathroom please I think although I do remember picking up language and and pieces of language really fast like very easily when I was young anyways I loved pigeons I really loved the birds I remember you being very interested in the changing of the guard in London and I was nowhere to be found because I was feeding birds somewhere like I'd bought you know for some tuppence a bag somewhere i'd been feeding the birds and in greece i threw a tantrum a 12 year old tantrum because i wanted a leather satchel to keep bird seed in everywhere we went so that i could feed the birds and you would i wanted to buy this leather bag from the placa the like the market and um that was a no that was a hard no but then we went to mykonos and do you remember this? We went to Mykonos and it rained all day long. And there was a guy, a jewelry shop that was trying mm-hmm. to sell rings, some some rings. And we were looking at our birthstones for me and Adri. And uh, so you wouldn't buy me a leather bag, but you were looking at these rings, these expensive rings and you didn't buy them and you regretted it. Every- and you always regretted it after that because they were a great deal, turns out. Sorry, sorry yeah. to bring up a
1: <laughs> sore subject. Oh, but Guess what? I'm that, fine. I didn't need it. Turns out <laughs> I'm fine. But that is my, that is my memory of Mykonos. It was beautiful even in the gloomy rain. It was beautiful. I remember that. And I remember they were desperate to make a sale because it was gloomy and there was nobody spending money. Nobody walking. Rings, these rings were beautiful and I loved them. And I thought I wanted one for me too. Oh, and Probably. Yeah, and you guys were going, no, Mom, because you didn't like that they were pressuring me, pressuring me. You oh, had yeah. that fear um, awareness even then. And they were pressuring, pressuring, and you and Adri didn't like that. But I loved the rings, and I was getting this negative idea. You were probably like, going, well, I couldn't have the leather bag. You can't you have don't the. Get it, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I didn't get them, and I, I thought, well, we'll just get them in Athens. I never saw them again, anything was beautiful. They were elegant, simple, they were beautiful. So maybe that's a lesson, a life lesson. If you see it and you love it, there are times to indulge your impulses. Especially on Mother's Day. Especially on Mother's Day. Uh, Okay, next question.
0: Okay. What does it mean to be a dance mom? Not the reality TV type, but what did it mean for you to be a dance mom?
1: well oh, that's a really good one because yeah i think now especially the the first image that people have is that kind of dance mom and maybe there was a little bit of that in me i suppose everybody wants the best for their kid and thinks their kid is the best but what it really was um it was a way to be involved in something that was artful and beautiful with the kids um You, for the most part, seem to like it. I think the best, okay, off the top of my head, one of the best things about it was driving to and from dance. Because some of our best conversations were in the car, staring straight ahead, driving over Cherry Creek Dam. The time that you spend in the car with your kids, just getting them to and from the dancey things. And another thing about it is um, that it, Give a structure, just as I'm sure soccer or football gives a structure to your day, to your life. You have ABC, and especially now, I really kind of miss that, places to have to be and have to go. But also, I don't know, cheering for your kid, making things for your kid, making things for your kid's group. Yeah, talk about your your costumes, costuming. Yeah. So costuming started out really, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. I think the first one I really made was a white leotard that, just a white leotard that I had bought. And then I found some stretchy sequin elastic and attached a little white skirt. We still have it at Adri's house. And she wore it over the top hat and a cane and did a cute little top hat and cane thing in this little white. I made a little fake skirt hanging off her butt. Oh, something about a skunk? Was it like oh no that was that was a group number but then she did it as a solo but uh, incredible. Oh, that's incredible anyway dance talk dance talk and then you I did that pink pajamas and I took a pair of bunny slippers and glued it onto tap shoes wait a second show me that <laughs> that those are bunny slippers
0: if you are listening, you're going to have to take a visit over to the Words That Move Me podcast Instagram page, where I will be sure to include some of the gems, the visual gems uh, from this conversation
1: that you cannot see. Yeah. Okay, okay, keep going. So, so I started making costumes just for my kids. And then it was kind of inevitable that the teacher said, well, can you do this trio when you guys were in a trio or something? And uh so by the time you got to Michelle's, Michelle Adamers, shout out to the best woman. Look at you running the podcast.
0: I love this. No. This love
1: You're her. good.
0: That was Not a great, great. shout-out, Michelle Latimer Dance
1: Academy in Inglewood. Hello. Hello. So when I then I started doing costumes for for her and the biggest sing, the single biggest project I remember being a production number that was fairies a magical fairy number. I do not remember the music. It came on the heels of a smaller number that I had done for Mark and Sandra Carlson, who were your ballet teachers. And they were doing an independent um, Midsummer Night's Dream ballet performance in Boulder at the Mary Ripon Theater at CU. Mm -hmm. And so they were truly, each costume unique. We did each of the adult fairies just so ethereally. and It was just beautiful. uh oh that's it
0: i'm holding up a photo
1: that's it yeah collaborating with sandra was amazing we just had this great idea we just played off each other so well so anyway had done that and then somehow that inspiration or those costumes made it to the thing with Michelle and the number that comes to mind is like we did there were 72 kids and I um it took me like virtually most of the academic year to do that. And I didn't pay tuition. Yeah. Didn't know what to charge and Michelle
0: just didn't charge oh, tuition. That's special. Thank you for doing that. I remember our living room turned into a fairy poop. <laughs> <laughs> Glitter and, it was and too- chiffon. And um, you made the wings by stretching tights or pantyhose over folded hangers. And then you hand painted. every Every pair of wings was different. Those were gorgeous. We've got to find some more photos of that.
1: We have some of them. I do have to find more of that. So, so that art outlet was what that was for me. It was a creative outlet. So being a dance mom was like art, and it was like um, social. It was a good pe- group of people and a good group of kids um, that you come to know. And isn't that the most important thing when you have kids involved in any activity? that you know the people that surround them with that activity the other parents the other kids the coaches the people in charge of it so it was a way of getting all that so it was what sports are to other families but it was indoors and i could sit down and watch
0: (laughs) and be knitting (laughs) i love it good answer nice job okay you're good at this is this your first podcast yes (gasps) crushing it
1: natural um okay i think it's your turn oh it is my turn um how many more questions do i get to ask two two more uh okay so i'm saving the big one for the end there's a big one i have four questions i have four I, i i have three more okay so you have to answer me quickly then okay so one of the things that i'm the proudest of you for was how you took the reins when you were in middle school And you and your friend, Natalie, decided to raise the bar. Oh, that wasn't your words. You just said, none of the girls in school dress good. Did I say it like that? It's so middle school. Are you kidding? Yeah. yeah. Exactly middle school. So you started dressing better, and then everybody else started dressing better. I do remember that. I remember that. And
0: furthermore, I remember, I think the... The impetus for that (laughs) was the movie Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I might have to fact check and make sure that lines up on a timeline, but I'm almost positive that's what inspired us to be bright and bold and have a little bit more of a feminine flair. Let's take a look at Romy and Michelle High School Reunion. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion came out in '97, so it was right around that time. Um, Jinkos were very cool, uh, like polo shirts. Fubu was the coolest. Tommy Hilfiger was the coolest. We we dressed in bags which which is my style now <laughs> for sure <laughs> the baggier the better but at the time Natalie and I got so into this friendship in the movie and these the women were creative and they dressed you know in figure fitted clothing that was bright and fun and playful and expressive until they decide to try to dress like businesswomen, which is very funny. That part. We'll have the businesswomen special, please. Okay, so I'm re- I'm having a nostalgic moment. Okay, let's okay. see. Oh, was that it? That was uh, yeah. That, did that question have a part two? It would it would have a part well, two. It should, but it didn't. Okay, I do remember that, and that was fun. Okay. Um. Oh, okay, here we go. Last one for you from me. So you must have loved dance because you shelled out and endured and drove and made costumes for two kids, sometimes three in dance. But it wasn't until all three kids were out of the house that you found dance for yourself, or at least so I thought before this call, when I found out you've been doing it forever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you found tango. How old were you when you started dancing tango? And what do you
1: love about that dance? Oh my gosh. Um, I started tango before I start. Oh, in 2008. Yeah, yeah. I was flying to Honolulu and there was a, wonderful woman that I met because she was on an airplane knitting. And so therefore she was my new best friend and actually became really good friends. You met her. Um, you and Ava came to her house, bearable. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just, she's, she is a gifted, um, artist, needle artist, knitter, crocheter. So we became good friends and I went back on a trip and she said, Oh, you have to come with me now. She had a German accent, has a German accent have to come with me I have a new thing and I said okay let's go and it was a tango milonga, and I had never heard of it and never seen it and it was magical I mean the music is like nothing you've ever heard the bandoneon it doesn't have drums it's lyrical it's musical it's swirling music especially a waltz um, so I was hearing this music and it was in kind of a dark room which wasn't my dance experience, right, as a dance mom. And then I saw the way they dance, they like lean up against each other and they're kind of curled over onto each other and the elbows are down and the feet are down into the floor. And it was the opposite of ballet. And it was fascinating. Um, and, And the men led and the women followed. The women didn't sustain themselves, support themselves, Although I know now, knowing more, that yes, a woman does. But what I saw was this um, two people dancing together as one, which didn't often, in ballet often, while they do seem this one, it's two people apart dancing together. It seemed different. So it was magically different to me. Huge challenge. I went with her a couple of times and people would say, would you like to dance? And I'm in my flip-flops, so no, you don't walk backwards in flip-flops. And at one point I said, I'm not coming back here and trying to hide a tango. So in 2009 or 2008, maybe Memorial Day 2008, Adrian and I went to a Malanga at Chutum Park. And it was beautiful and magical. And we started tangoing. Um, and it was just great. I think one of Adrian and Scott's first dates was a tango lesson. And he had to, like, partner with me. We're walking around in circles with our hands on each other's chests. I'm sure who was comfortable. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Um, but I do. I, I love that connection of it. I love the music. It's hard. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Final question. Final question from you. Okay, you have no idea this is coming at you. Oh. You're okay. gonna. Okay. So we're in this pandemic. <clears throat> And things already are kind of becoming scarce, like toilet paper. Elastic is the new toilet paper as we make masks. Meat. Yeah. So my little brain spins around at night. And uh, what if it really turns into something and the infrastructure really goes away or collapses? So that was my thought that led to this question. And I'm not saying it's going to happen or I think it will happen, but the question is, is a mind game, What if we had electricity rationing and you only had a finite amount of electricity that you could use and you could use it in whatever way you chose and we'll leave the refrigerator out of it because we know they suck energy and we need to eat. So that's not part of the question. But what are the things that you would not be able to live without that need electricity? How would you, percentage-wise, or how would you ration your own electrical electricity
0: use? That's a really good question. And I encourage everybody to answer along with me because that's a fun exercise. I am going through combat in my head right now. Oh man, that's a tough one. Since the podcast, I've been spending a lot of time on the computer editing. Um, And communication is very important to me. I've been loving FaceTiming with you and the nieces trying to help relieve the load of your need to be with two kids who aren't in school all the time um so oh I love my Sonicare toothbrush my electric toothbrush I will never use a manual toothbrush again unless I'm stranded on a desert island I'm kidding <laughs> I, I use them when I, tra- I I no I even bring my electric toothbrush when I travel I love that thing okay that um I'm going to need my computer. <laughs> my um, desktop for sure. And then if I had to choose a camera, I'd say my Sony A6 and my Vixia. My Vixia is the little tiny one that looks kind of like um kind of like a pebble and it has the folding up screen. It's the one that I you brought on tour with me and we made all those videos forever um yeah that that camera has been around the world three times i think um and it it is it's my pocket it's my everyday carry i can't imagine that thing not being able to power on that makes me want to (laughs) cry so i would need i'd need that i'd need my sony i'd need my desktop and i'd need an hour of facetime but man it would be kind of cool if i was if i was somehow enforced to not use Instagram.
1: (laughs) Uh, What if using those meant you couldn't turn on the lights at nighttime?
0: Oh, that's fine. We had a blackout recently. I saw out my window across the street. It got really windy. It got crazy windy. And Daniel and I had a very romantic candlelit dinner that was very quiet because there were no sounds in the house. and it was beautiful. Although I've learned one of the things that annoys me is when there's stuff on the floor in my walking path. I get red hot angry when I trip on stuff that I didn't see. I know it's my fault and I should watch where I'm going, but I get pissed when I trip. Because think about it, I am used to dance studios, that are big open spaces where there's nothing on the floor. So I struggle when there's stuff on the floor. And that night I got so mad because there was so many, there were so many things in my path that I didn't see. And tripping on things makes me feel um, (laughs) helpless. And I don't like feeling helpless. So yeah, I'm going to need, I'm going to need there to be electricity until nine, but after nine, I'm okay.
1: Good. That's a good one.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is going to be a tradition, mom. We're going to do a podcast every Mother's Day. Yeah. Thank you so much, mom. I know you got a big day ahead of you. Busy, very important lady. Places to go, people to see from a distance.
1: And I love you so much. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love you. Thank you. Love you. Happy Mother's Day to all your listeners. Yeah. 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 Bye. Bye. Bye.